Welcome to the Story Story Late Night Podcast. Story Story Late Night is the black sheep of the Story Story Night family, where we tell raw and real stories on an unblushing theme. This is our Story Slammer Podcast, where if you were a brave soul who volunteered to tell your story live during the Story Slam portion of the evening, you can now share your story with all your friends and family, which I'm sure you're dying to do. Our host for this evening was the lovely Miss Emma Arnold. The theme for the evening was crazy. Stories of losing it. One, only one name, like Cher. You know I like that. Quinn. Okay, cool. So I have five minutes. I, I still wear a watch. I'm that guy because I don't have Facebook. So I need to know what I'm doing, not what everyone else is doing. Uh, thanks for the compliment, though, because she had said I have a nice mustache. And the thing is, if I don't have it, I look 12. And if I do have it, I look like I'm going to touch the 12-year-old. So I figure, I figure, you know, I might as well look older and like my age. Uh, but I don't like kids, so don't worry if you have 12-year-olds. I'm not going after them. And anyway, so going crazy. This is funny because I was 12 when I went crazy. And if anyone's ever gone snow camping... You know, it's not as romantic and free-spirited as you think. I mean, if anyone's seen The Shining, we all know how that ended up. Like, you know, uh, out in the snow in the Rocky Mountains. Good time. Great time. But being in the Boy Scouts, you know, there's this certain... uh, You have to live up to certain standards. You know, you got to help the old lady cross the street. You have to sell a bunch of popcorn. You have to avoid the guy that's going to touch you that's, you know, like me, but not me. Uh, You know, like, there's a merit badge for that. It's great. And being raised in Washington, we'd go up to the Cascade Mountains, and the best part is, you know, snow. I mean, who doesn't love snow? And being in the Southwest, uh, snow doesn't really happen that often, uh, unless you're up in northern Arizona. Anyway, not important. Don't, Don't pay attention to that. And the thing is, so, you know, your 12-year-old self is with your buddies, and, you know, you're going to go play in the snow, and then you're going to sleep in the snow, and that's, that's great, you know? Like, this is your first big camping trip. You're going to test your skills, because if you don't come back, then, you know, you, you probably shouldn't be in the Boy Scouts, uh, you know? I'm not saying you should be in the Girl Scouts, but you should be in, like, some alternative club where you won't get hurt uh, being outdoors, but... That's beside the point. So anyway, you know, you put on this fat pack, then you have to put on these weird-ass shoes that you walk in the snow with, and then by the time you get to the destination, you have to build this fucking piece of shit shelter that's supposed to keep you alive. Uh, Or, you know, at least frostbitten enough to uh, function the rest of your life. And when you're 12, you don't think about these things. You think about playing in the snow, right? So you spend all day getting, you know, snowball fights in, snow angels, and then by the time it's nightfall, there's, there's, you know, you're wet, you're cold, you're going to die, you know, sooner rather than you expected. And my two friends, you know, God bless them, but they still had their baby fat. And that's great for them because they stay a bit warmer. But look at me, I haven't grown, like, ever, uh, you know, this is kind of how I came out of the womb. I, 
You know, my mom's Catholic, five kids. I just came out like, no problem. Don't worry about it. And so we're in the snow cave, and I realize I'm about to die because my friend Sean, he takes up half the snow cave, and his sleeping bag takes up the other half. And I'm not really good at math, even though I'm Japanese. But the thing is, I know if two halves make a whole, then I don't make anything. Like, I'm just going to be part of the snow cave. And in this process, I have to hear my other friend, Mark, bitch about, you know, he had to eat teriyaki for dinner instead of fucking hot dogs. And it's like, dude, I'll hit you with a hot dog if you don't shut up. So in this process, my friend makes this pact with the devil just so we get out of here. I mean, it's his soul, not mine. So I'm like, yeah, do what you got to do to get us out of here. But in the process... I, I go crazy. You know, he has a space blanket. I'm like, Sean, fuck you. This is going outside. I can't breathe. I can't see. I am going to beat you over the head with this shovel that we should have used to make the shelter instead of playing in the snow. Point being, you learn you're crazy a lot earlier than you think. Some 12, some 23. But at least if you can look back... Ten years after the fact and laugh, then, you know, it's a great memory. And that's what life's about, making memories. So that's how I went crazy. And since then, I haven't gone snow camping. So thanks. Please welcome Emmanuel Vera. Hi. How's it going, everybody? I didn't know I was next. I was in the back room relaxing. This is crazy. Life's a little crazy, don't you think? I feel like people, they get handed different cards in life, but it's all, there's always this underlying craziness that goes with life, regardless of where you are. My best friend when I was a kid, he had everything he ever wanted except a father. His mom showered him in everything he ever wanted. Video games, toys, trips, roller coasters, you know. But she never just gave him a hug. Said, I love you, son. Sorry about your dad being an asshole. <laughs> Which is why we were best friends, because I had the same situation going on. My dad left when I was three. He was like, bye, son. And I was like, I'm three. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, my mom did her best. You know, she took good care of us for a long time. But as most humans do, she eventually cracked. <laughs> Went a little nuts. She graduated college, and instead of getting a career going, she decided to get a meth addiction going. That's okay, I'm fine. <laughs> Which is why me and this kid that I'm describing were such best friends, because we both came from this weird, shattered reality that was nothing like the, the life we were supposed to have, you know? And uh, one day my best friend came over and he started, uh, we were listening to, well, you know, we were 15, okay? We had a couple stolen beers from his older brother. And of course we had uh, Marilyn Manson's new album at the time, which was Antichrist Superstar. Yeah, we were, we were walking down a golden glory path right there. So we're sitting there drinking our stolen beer, blaring Marilyn Manson, and he pulls out a knife and starts cutting himself. Now, for him, I'm pretty sure he was actually letting the sun shine out or whatever. 
I don't know, because he had some problems. You know, we all had problems. But he started cutting himself. And I was like, whoa, dude, what are you doing? That's crazy. He said, yeah, dude, try it out. And he was my best friend. And Marilyn Manson, he, he was at the phase in his career where he was slicing himself on stage as he rocked out, spraying blood all over the teenagers. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. You know? <laughs> so I started slicing myself up. And I was like, I don't know why I did it. Like, uh, I don't feel like I had demons inside of me that needed to pour through my torn flesh. I just did it because my friend was doing it, you know, which my mom did not understand. <laughs> now, this was a phase we were going through. We would hang out, get drunk, cut ourselves, and then go to the park. <laughs> I don't know. What the fuck? <laughs> it's a crazy world out there, you know? But uh, I remember the day my mom caught us, you know, and she was still, like, way into her junkie phase. So, like, when she popped into my room, it was usually yell at me and throw shit around, you know? <laughs> She came in and she was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, well, you're always yelling. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, you actually have a reason to yell now. Yes, I've been, I've been cutting myself. <laughs> so she took my knife away, which was annoying. It was a gift from a good friend of mine, and I've never seen that knife again. She also took away my samurai sword that she had given me for my birthday. I don't know what she thought I was actually going to do with that. Like, oh, I'm going to cut off my hand. <laughs> I'm crying inside. I don't know. I think going crazy is essential for human existence. You know, some people go crazy in ways that you don't understand. But as long as they're not hurting anybody, I don't see what the big problem is. You know what I mean? I mean, people shouldn't cut themselves. I'm not saying go home and, like, release the demons. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, maybe talk to someone. <laughs> but, you know, express yourself in crazy ways if you want to. I recently got involved in a, a duo, a comedy duo, me and my best friend. Not the one who was cutting himself, a new best friend. I had to replace the one who was cutting himself. He actually had to go away for a while. Imagine that. <laughs> one night, he cut himself far too deep. And it was just, uh, well, the party was over. You know, <laughs> time to go to the hospital. But anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, I just recently got involved in a comedy duo. And we are crazy. We're crazy people. And, you know, I'm not trying to sound like egomaniac or anything like that. I'm just, I've been told that I'm a lunatic since the day I was born. I, I feel like I, I inherited it by my father. It's like a genetic level madness. I can't escape it. But we have so much fun on stage. Like our madness, we've, what we've done is we've funneled it into a positive vibe. You know, We go up there and we do a show that people do not understand. <laughs> Until the end, of course, when it all wraps up with a... With, well, I'm not going to tell you about it. It all wraps up nicely, though. And our main point is be yourself. Go as nuts as you want. Just don't kill people unless they're bad guys, of course. Go ahead, Bruce Willis. I just think, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to, for someone to look at you and be like, you're fucking crazy. Be like, yeah, and you're jealous. <laughs> look at how badass I am, you know? <laughs> One time, I got called into the principal's office, and he told me that the social worker wanted to talk to me because of a drawing I'd left in science class. It was a drawing of a monster tearing someone's head off. I thought it was cool. <laughs> he sat there and he stared at me and he said, why don't you draw anything normal, like children on the back of a pony? And I looked at him and I said, maybe it's because I'm fucking normal and you're the freak. <laughs> 
ponies. What the hell is your deal, man? Express yourself. Be proud of who you are. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. Sergio Gonzalez, please come to the stage. Uh, so we're going to talk about um, one time that I dated somebody that I think is a little crazy, and I was a little crazy, a little bit crazier than I am now. I had just recently dropped out of college for the second time from the University of Montana. I just went back, graduated, so that was really cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so anyways, uh, the first time was from the University of Phoenix, and we don't like to talk about that. Uh, at any rate... Um, so uh, I, was, I was working down at Flying Pie Pizzeria at the time, full-fledged diet of pizza, seven days a week, two meals a day. It was fantastic. And uh, I was going back, um, and one night we were skinny dipping, and uh, there, was, there was another couple there with the, uh, the crazy girlfriend. Can I say her name? Should I say her name? No. <laughs> She's not going to know. She's not going to know. Okay. Um, so at any rate, we ended up dropping the other couple off um, after she had uh, suffered a little bit of a fall, crying and yelling, I'm no longer the pretty one. I'm no longer the pretty one. <laughs> and that comes back. Um, so anyways, uh, as we're, uh, we're driving away, uh, she, uh, she kind of looks over, gives me a little bit of like a, eyes crossed just a little bit. Like, oh, something's going to happen. She, 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 she throws her legs over, straddles me. I'm like, okay, cool. Things are happening. I pull over. <laughs> Reach for the zipper, throw my hands back. She throws her hands back and then over her face and starts crying. Uh, and then it takes about 45 minutes for me to calm her down. And then she starts whispering, you're not my friend. You're not my friend. You're not my friend. What? Well, what about, what about your, uh, your roommate, Max? Oh, he's my best friend. And your roommate, Katie? Oh, she's not my friend. She's not my friend. What about me? You're not my friend. You're not my friend. Oh, okay. Well, and then she falls asleep in the back seat. So we speed off towards our apartment, and I'm thinking, like, oh, man, what have I got myself into? I had just recently agreed to start dating her. I'm like, oh, man, really starting off strong on this one. Um, so we get to the house, um, and uh, I'm waiting for her to wake up, kind of nudge her a little bit. She kind of looks over and looks over at me, sees that her, she's at her house, and she's, oh, God, just, just fucking drive. Just go. Okay. All right, cool. So we, we drive over, and I take her, um, like, where, where are we going? Where are we going? She says, if I don't get anything to eat, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to murder you. I'm just going to kill you. She's getting a little crazy. The eyes are crossing just a little bit more. All right. So uh, we go to Los Betos. I wake her up. She, oh, God, no. So we start speeding off uh, down Fairview, and I'm thinking, like, what am I going to get her? And then I had one of those flashback moments. Burger King. She says she loves Burger King when she's drunk. So we go over. I wake her up. Burger King, we're at Burger King. Eyes flash open like it's Christmas morning. All right, got something right. Eyes are on crossing, wonderful. I get her some uh, hamburgers after she asked for 10 of them. I got, the, I got her four. <laughs> so we're, uh, we're speeding, speeding by and she just pounded through that large fry, two minutes flat. And we're going 40 miles an hour down Fairview and uh, she stops me, like shakes me, looks me, looks at me, eyes cross again and says, Where's the goddamn ketchup? As she's reaching for the, uh, you know, the, the door handle. One leg's already out, so I reach over. Get it back. Where are, you, where are you going? Where are you going? Pull her back in, try to console her. Like, we have ketchup at the house. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. We're like 10 minutes away, so I'm just holding on to her as I'm speeding around 4 in the morning. 
So we finally pull into the house. She runs upstairs with the, the Burger King bag, just straddled it's as tight as it could be. God knows if there's any burgers left in there. And uh, so I, I look through the fridge, through the main cabinet. There's no ketchup. All the like little special spa spaces where I know there's packets of ketchup. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm sweating bullets. Like, oh, God, what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? I finally go up there, and she's, she throws the cover up. She hears me. She's totally naked, got the, uh, the burger just ready, like, shower me in ketchup is what she's saying with her eyes. Shower me in ketchup. And I say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. There's no ketchup. And there come the eyes again. And she takes the hamburger and rips it in half and just eats it. Boom, boom. Takes the second one. Same thing. Third and the fourth one. And daddy didn't get no hamburger that night. Nothing. She went to bed. So angry, the next morning she wakes up with wrappers everywhere, and she looks at me and says, what happened, and why are you so angry at me? And then I dated her for another couple months. <laughs> That's my story. Pretty welcome. Sarah Cunningham. Uh, I, you know, I try to keep things pretty PC, typically, because I'm pretty involved in the community. If any of you know me, you know what I'm all about. Um... All right, Emily, you and I need to sit down for coffee because I got a kind of a crazy family myself. I come from a family of 15 children, all from the same mother, and I am number 10, therefore I will always be a 10. And uh, yeah, all right. So I have a, a, a really good friend of mine, love her to death. Her husband, Joe, is a kind of obsessed with the concept of normal. And um, in my mind, normal's kind of, um, you know, it's, it's, it's overthought. There's just too many people are hung up on the concept of normal. And I have never been one to really follow the status quo. I'm a 41-year-old single mom, super single mom, by the way. I have an awesome 17-year-old son. He's kind of amazing. And um, anyways, um, I, I keep these simply because... That guy, my, my best friend's husband, calls me the rambler, and I can get really tangential. So it's for your sake that I hold these. Um, all right. Anyways, all of my life I've been told that I'm crazy. Um, coming from a family of 15, I've always been a bit of a free spirit, always very artsy-fartsy, uh, very creative. And I think that some of that comes from the fact that Throughout the bulk of my childhood, I was molested a lot. And, um, and I think that as a child that goes through that, you escape a lot. And I would perform, and I would dance, and I would sing, and I would find my happiness in those moments. In those moments where that big picture window in the living room, that was my screen. That's where I became me, and I was alive and full of energy. And everybody's like, oh, she just dances to the song or the beat of her own drummer and, and all that jazz. And, and that's, that's cool. Um, but that's where I found me. And that's where I survived. And that's where I came alive. And so um, it's kind of funny because some of my very closest friends say, you need to write a book because there's no fucking way you're as insane as you are after everything you've been through. But I am. <laughs> Relatively. Um, anyways, my uncle, I had an uncle, Kenny, and my mom, being the person that she is, 
we don't have a very close relationship. I do get kind of jealous of women that have great relationships with their mother, and I know it's possible. Um, but she would always say, you remind me of your Uncle Kenny, who has um, dementia. And <laughs> and um, uh, the lights in my nervous system are making me think, like not think of his... Uh, uh, not Alzheimer's, but anyways, he would hear voices, and he was transient by choice, and every now and then would come home, and there was one time, my father, bless his heart, he really was a good man, um, but he was racist and sexist, and a little bit out of control, angry-wise, um, at times, and when my Uncle Kenny would come home, there was one time, I remember that he was having an episode, and he was washing the dishes, and he's vomiting in the sink while washing dishes. And my dad got so fucking furious. He just dragged him by the, the nape of his shirt into the bathroom and beat the shit out of him. And I thought, what the hell? I mean, I don't know what the fuck is going on, but that's not right. Um, anyways, um, so my mom, when she tells me that her minor Kenny is kind of like, kind of fucked up in its own way. Um, but anyways, it's, I think it's more because I'm a free spirit. And um, for example, I, I just love to travel. I consider myself an international citizen as opposed to a nationalist. I'm an internationalist. And um, I cashed on my 401k, a very meager 401k last year. I went um, hike, pike, uh, backpacking excuse me, through Europe with my son last year. And it was extraordinary. And um, we couch surfed. If anybody's familiar with the international side of couch surfing, I highly recommend it because it's pretty awesome. And we had an extraordinary experience. Anyways, um, so uh, the whole experience through your youth, through my youth, uh, dissolution of boundaries. And I knew the music was going to come on, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have some like heavy breathing coming soon. But um, anyways, <laughs> so I'm going to try to get through these memories, guys. Um, but uh, it was about 10 or 12 that I was when I realized, hmm, I don't think this is normal. I'm pretty sure this is not happening to other kids. But what happened was there was a lot of boundarylessness that happened throughout those teen years and those really formative years of relationships. And, and uh, but I developed those boundaries, developed those, those healthier relationships. And um, today, through it all, I mean, I'm an interior designer, remodeling contractor, realtor, and uh, got my degree and all that jazz. Um, feeling a lot better, but I guess the point of it all is you can be crazy, but live and dance and sing and be yourself, and uh, that's where, I don't know, where it all comes from. This has been the Story Story Late Night Podcast. Thank you for listening. We would like to take a moment and offer special thanks to the people who make each Story Story Late Night possible. Thank you to The Vac, Paul Budge Photography, DJ Tiger Spittle, and the entire Story Story team, Nissa Nagel, Kylie Krill, Kim Warren, Zachary Borman, Jessica Holmes, Emma Arnold, and podcasting by Dylan Hawes.